Well, God is good. And all the time. Hey, my name's Reverend Mike. I'm the senior associate pastor here. Grateful that I get to bring the word here to you in person and, of course, to our online audience as well. I recently read a story that was originally published in a newspaper. The story comes from decades ago before there were cell phones. And it was about a man who boarded a bus to go to Detroit to visit his family. Now, he was thrilled to go, and of course, he had every intention of going to Detroit. So he gets on the bus and travels for hours and hours and hours. And while he's on the bus, he's really not paying attention to anything other than just relaxing while someone else drives on the road. He reaches his destination as, as he gets off and he goes onto the sidewalk. He hears in the background the bus driver say something. He says to the other passengers, well, welcome to Kansas City. Now, this gentleman who got off the bus who was intending to go to Detroit, well, he got on the wrong bus. But when he heard that in the background, he thought to himself, that can't be right. I got on the bus to go to Detroit. That was the bus I went on, and that is where I'm at right now. So this is supposed to be a true story. So he goes down the road, and he begins to ask people, where is Woodward Avenue at the time? In Kansas City, there was no Woodward Avenue. So people said, sorry, there's not a Woodward Avenue. Now, this gentleman knew that in Detroit, there was a Woodward Avenue. And he grew in frustration to the point that he started saying, you people are all so inhospitable to me. I can't believe I've come to Detroit and you're not helping me. It took him, I guess, about 30 or 45 minutes to finally accept the fact, to get out of denial, that where he was was not Detroit, just like the bus driver said. He was in Kansas City. Now, when I read this story, I was kind of amazed, especially because it was from so long ago, and it was such a long journey this gentleman was on that I thought he would strike up a conversation with someone. And in that conversation, they would talk about their destination. He would have found out that he's not headed to Detroit, but Kansas City. That didn't happen. I also thought a bit about myself, and I don't know about you, but I'm a primary driver in my family. Is anyone else, when someone's going to drive, you're the person who's driving for the most part? And so, uh, Whenever I'm a passenger, though, I like to look outside. I like to look at this landscape wherever we're at, whether that be the farmlands around this area or we go to more hilly places. I like to look at the road signs. I like to know the towns I'm, I'm going by. Well, this gentleman obviously didn't do any of that. I thought for sure he would have looked out and looked at the signs and realized, well, here's a new state, and this state isn't headed <laughs> towards... Uh, Detroit, or a sign that said you're headed west, not north. He didn't take the time to look out, look at the signs, but if he would have, his destination, it would have been clear. You know, friends, God is always bringing signs into our lives. Let me give you a couple, four instances. For instance, when you're young, you start to get an interest towards things. Sometimes those interests towards things are a sign from God that this should be a road that one is pursuing. Sometimes that leads to a career. You may, uh, if you're a teacher, you may have uh, begun to want to teach or something about teaching when you were young. My wife is a nurse. She wanted to be a nurse very young. Those are God winks. Those are signs. Those are pings, if you will, where God is saying that this is the destination you should head. Now, not all of us are like that. Sometimes we do have an interest for something, and we can use it for God's glory in one way or another in an organization or uh, perhaps a church. 
Uh, but God gives those types of signs to us. He does that because he wants to be, he wants to help us on the road that we are on. God gives other signs as well. God gives signs about whom we should marry or the type of person we should marry or if we're ready to get married. Those are signs that are out there. God gives signs about how we should raise our children. There are oftentimes we experience life and we see maybe a child that was not raised in the right way or perhaps we thought, oh, I wish my mom or my dad would have did things a little bit different. Those are signs from the Lord where he speaks to us and said, yes, that's right. Now raise your kids that way. Do it this way. I'm giving you a sign. Another sign is that God will bring signs that we are truly blessed. I imagine almost all of us here are provided for, uh, that we will have uh, meals uh, this afternoon, that uh, we have some type of a housing arrangement where we, are, um, where we have a home, we can lay our head down. These are all signs, from, we have family and friends too. These are signs from God that say that, you know what, especially for Christians, is that you're headed in the right direction. Why? Because of those, those latter signs I just talked about, like God providing for us and the family and friends, when you're on the wrong road, God won't bring those healthy relationships. God won't bring those resources uh, in, a, in a healthy way. But whenever you're following Christ, he wants to give those signs to you to let you know that you're on the right road. You're headed to the destination that he intends. But let's face it, for all of us, including me, those God signs come by a lot and we just pass right by. <laughs> we're driving the, and the signs they're just they're just going right by us and we miss them and I think most of us have a fundamental struggle of either uh, seeing the signs or accepting the signs that God has our way for instance like I just talked about being thankful there's probably so much that we could be th- I know there's so much we can be thankful for but sometimes it feels more interesting to get involved with the negative, right? Sometimes it feels a bit more interesting to get involved with the drama. We got any drama people out there? Don't point, stop pointing. Don't point at that person. Just kidding, he didn't point. He thought about it. Uh, but it's just more interesting to get into the drama. But you know what happens when we get into the drama? You know what happens when we get into complaining? You know what happens when we get into the pity parties? We start missing the signs that God has for us. And we come to the end of 2023 and we're like, I guess God's been good this year. And this isn't a condemning thing or anything like that or condescending thing either. But if you find yourself in that place this morning, you may be, it may be time for us to look at the signs of 2023, the ones that God sent you and maybe forget about some of those other things. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Well, today in our Bible, we're gonna have two types of contrasting characters. This is something that's a literary device that's been done many times in antiquity in these old, in old stories, in, old, in the Bible, but just in old literature in general. And I think what we're gonna do as we look at these characters, we're gonna find ourselves in a little bit of both categories. We're, just gonna, we're gonna talk about a king, many of you know the story, who's gonna very much have a selfish idea when it comes to signs and just kind of ignore those. And we all have those times when we get selfish. We're also going to run into a group of people called magi, and they're gonna be more like the people that we really are and people we need to strive to be. So let's go to the text this morning, Matthew 2, verses one through two. Here we go, friends. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, 
Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So we step in the scene, right, or step on the scene right after Jesus' birth. We're not exactly sure how much longer. Could be a short time, could be up to two years. Historians, theologians debate about that. I I tend to say the two-year mark. Jesus would be a child at this point, a young, young child, but closer to that. We have a group of people, though, that we have to notice right, right away that are outside of the Jewish religion. We need to know that this idea of Jesus coming had very much to do with the Jewish people and the Jewish religion. But right away, the scripture brings it to us in Matthew 2 is that there's a group of outsiders who seem to have some type of awareness about this king. How do they get this awareness? Well, they see a star rise. And back then, and with this group of believers, or this group who, and their beliefs, these outsiders, they believed that oftentimes a star rising was in connection of a significant figure that had been born. So who were these men? These men we call magi, who were a combination of wise men and priests. They were experts in astrology and interpreting dreams. They also played political and religious roles, and we need to know this, is that they definitely have prominence with them. They are prominent figures, and we'll talk a little bit more about that too, but these just aren't uh, a few people together that kind of sneak into Jerusalem. They are prominent, they are educated, they are respected for their time. Now, we think they're probably from Persia, maybe Babylon, But what we need to notice here as we start out, friends, is that the outside group, this outside group of magi, they have no one to tell them about the Christ. They clearly don't know the scriptures. They don't know where the Messiah was to be born. And here's the first thing that starts to break open for us as we start to look at this word and how it can work in our life. When we look at the magi and how they're distant, these distant visitors, doing uh, things that don't line up with Judaism and God speaking to them, the first word that comes for us is that Jesus is for the outsider too. Someone say, Jesus is for the outsider too. Jesus is for the outsider too. Good try. That was, no, it wasn't a good try. I know. (laughs) One more time. Jesus is for the outsider too. Yeah, you got it. There we go. Better. You know, one reason I think that we're not attuned to the God signs on our journey. Like when we think about 2023 being on that road or even before that, one of the reasons why I think we're not attuned to them is because often we will feel like outsiders. We will feel like outsiders to God and the faith. Often people disqualify themselves because they don't come from a church background. They feel like they're an outsider. Or perhaps you're here and you or come from a very secular upbringing and thinking. And you might think, I'm an, I'm an outsider. Jesus is for the outsider. Some of you may come from a different religious inclination. Or maybe there's just some of us out there that don't feel very Christian or nice. And it makes us think that we are outsiders. What happens is, is that whether you're a Christian and and God uses you and then you have these bad moments or whether you're just coming out from the world and starting to know about this Christ, 
We really are all outsiders, but the good news is Jesus makes us insiders. And when we're, ever, when we're traveling on this road towards Jesus every year after year, sometimes this outsider mentality, we can get in our own head or we can just believe it. And I wanna tell you that whenever we do that, oftentimes we stop looking out the window and looking at the signs that, that God has for us. We need to know that God is for the outsiders. Just 10 days ago, there, you may have heard this story on the news. There was a six-year-old boy who left on his first flight from Philadelphia for a Christmas holiday visit with his grandmother in Fort Myers, Florida. Now, the boy was unaccompanied by his parents, but the airline he flew with had an employee that was going to be with the boy the entire flight, monitoring him through that. Well, when the grandmother showed up to pick him up at the Florida International Airport in Fort Myers to greet her grandson, uh, she was told that he wasn't on the airline's flight. The grandmother, who was granted a gate pass to pick up her grandson, she runs into uh, onboard the plane, and she said, I ran inside the plane to the flight attendant, and I asked her, where's my grandson? He was handed over to you in Philadelphia, and the stewardess said, no, I had no kids with me. Now, for you parents or grandparents out there, I'm sure that would be terrifying, not knowing where your child or grandchild would be uh, when there's, you could be on any plane anywhere. Well, the good news is, is that the grandson was okay. He was in Orlando, 160 miles away. There was an employee with him. But when I heard that, I started to think to myself, what would I do if I were in that situation? And my first emotional reaction was like, I would demand a flight. I would demand a flight to Orlando right away so I could go and pick up my child. Well, that's not reality, right? These aren't private jets. I'm sure that there would be too much red tape and it probably wouldn't have happened. And then as I thought back for a second, I know what I would do. I would get in a car, drive as fast and as safely as I could to get to my child as soon as possible. That's what I do. I would leave the problems behind, even though I would like to have words with the airline, even though I would want to know what happened, I would leave those problems behind so I could get to who was most important to me. Now, when we think about 2024 as we move ahead, in order to meet Jesus on the road, you have to make sure that you know that even if you feel like you're an outsider, Jesus is for you. And I think oftentimes, similar to that analogy at the airport, sometimes we got some problems. We got some problems, either within us or some other situation. We think we got sin on us or we think that there's something we have to go clear up. But the problem is sometimes we have to just let go of those problems and move forward to what's most important. In 2024, if we're gonna look towards, for the signs, we have to look towards Jesus. Friends, he is the most important. Jesus is the most important. And sometimes we spend so much time trying to clean up certain things or get everything right. We're, on, we're in this vehicle and signs are just passing us by. And yes, God does wanna clean up parts of our life. Yes, God does want us to deal with our problems. This isn't something about running away from our problems. But I also want you to know the devil has a, has a little trap. He'll get you so involved with your problems that you'll get your eyes off of Jesus. Sometimes you just gotta leave those problems at the airport and you gotta go to your son, to your daughter, 
And that's really what God does for us again and again. But we need the same mindset. We have to let go. We have to look towards Jesus. And then we will see the signs he has for us in 2024. You know, with these magi, there's really a lot of questions around them. You know, why in the world do these these uh, people from Persia or Babylon, why do they have such fervor to worship this newborn king? Why would they desire to worship him? You know, back then, often kings from other lands would send representatives, uh, you know, with some political clout to go and congratulate if there was a new, uh, newborn king. Uh, but this, I can tell you this, and learning about Persia, there's no way that a king from Persia is sending some of his political people and representatives to go worship another king. So we got questions about this. But what, you know what they did, have done? You know what the Magi have done? They have left their problems to, behind to follow the sign and worship Jesus. Oh, friends, how many of you out there need to just leave your problems behind and go and worship Jesus in 2024? Is there anyone out there who had to learn that lesson in tw- this year, 2023? Sometimes we have to leave them behind and go and worship him. We have to get resolute. We have to do what it says in Hebrews about fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's not about running from the problems. If the problems aren't getting solved, that's likely a sign that God wants to deal with the problem in a different way. Oh, friends, we've got to look towards Jesus and let him solve those problems. Are you looking for the signs? The Magi, they have a worshipful spirit. They're not just going to work. They're not going to Jesus and they're not like, oh, we have to do this. They're not going there to say, okay, now we've checked this off the box uh, for our king, what he's told us to do. These magi are ready to worship. These magi are worshipers. That's the destination they're on. That's the destination they're going towards, to worship Jesus. That's the road that they're on. Those are the signs that they've been listening to. But now, they, these worshipers are about to come in direct conflict with the current king of the land. Let's go to our text. It says this, King Herod was deeply disturbed, deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? So we need to know that whenever the Magi enter into Jerusalem, they're gonna have a caravan with them. Uh, since they are prestigious people, the commoners of the land and the politicians, everyone's going to want to know why are these group of people coming? So there's going to be questions about that. When the Magi reach Jerusalem and, and how they're starting to cause a stir, well, it's clear that they expected to find a newborn king in Herod's palace. And what we understand right away is that they know it's not Herod. The Magi make it clear with the child that they seek is that he has a rightful claim to the throne. The way that they say birth in in the language in the Greek says that he has a rightful claim to the throne. Herod can recognize this right away, that they are coming with this political power. They believe that a new king has been born. They know that it's not him. So what does that imply for Herod? Herod is going to be a usurper to the throne. It's not his throne anymore, period. It's someone else's. How is Herod going to handle this? Not well. 
Herod is on a different life road than the Magi. I think about this. God brought the sign right before Herod. He brought the sign. It was right there. However, Herod's throwing that to the side. Herod is not a worshiper of God. You know, we said, uh, we've read a couple times now that the amount, the announcement causes him to be disturbed. A better word than disturbed would actually be terrified. The dude was terrified, okay, whenever he heard this. Why? Because this wasn't just some threat he could eliminate like that or cover up. These were people coming from another land with power and influence, with a deep belief. Not only that, not only that, this idea about Messiah was in the collective mind of the Jewish people. They've been waiting on their Messiah for a long time. And if these visitors, and remember, they've already piqued the people's interest with this large caravan. If these visitors hear about how uh, these, if, if, if the commoners hear about these visitors and how they believe the Messiah's been born, Herod's probably done. He's not gonna have a chance. So Herod tries to deal with this. And we'd also need to just stay here for just a moment. I preached a couple weeks ago when we were preaching in Matthew and we were talking about Matthew and how there were some questions for the original audience about Jesus' divinity and his humanity. So we dealt with that just a little bit. One of the questions that comes up when we think 70 AD when this is written uh, is simply if Jesus... Um, if, was, if Jesus has been, if this is the Messiah, why doesn't, why isn't it announced to more the powers that be? If Jesus is the Messiah, why don't the political leaders, why didn't God send an announcement? And so some people who don't have belief would be, say, would be skeptical, right? So people in 70 AD would be like, well, okay, if Jesus came to earth, if God came to earth through this person of Christ, why wasn't there some like formal announcement to the powers to be? And what we have right here is that there was. God sent someone to the powers that be to let him know that the Messiah had been born. But what does Herod do? Well, Herod is gonna feel threatened. And what the Bible begins to tell us is that whenever Jesus is on the move, Jesus often threatens power. Whenever Jesus is on the move, he's always shaking things up. It's like oftentimes if you become, whenever you became a believer or you're growing in your faith, you will begin to feel relationships uh, shaken up. You will feel things at work be different than they were before. And you're like, I'm just trying to be a good Christian. I'm just trying to do things the right way. And you wonder why. Can I tell you something, friends? It's not even you. It's the Christ that's within you. Because whenever Jesus shows up, it threatens power, human power, every single time. Because what is God ultimately trying to do through your witness and through your life? He's trying to put things in the right order. And whenever you're following Christ, you'll begin to see that there is disorder around you. And you'll be someone who's starting to walk the right way, walk in the right order. So it always causes chaos. And that's what we see with the Magi, is that their presence is causing chaos. Herod is plagued by fear. Now we know this about Herod. He was a great public, uh, great public works, a great public works. He was a shrewd diplomat with his dealings with Romans and Jews. But we know that he began to, later in life, he got paranoid. He would kill, he killed like wives and children so he could stay on the throne. But he was very paranoid. 
And whenever he was afraid, he exerted control. So Herod, for our story, equals human control. Now, what makes Herod take control? It's like I said, it's fear. Fear makes him kind of take the wheel. Fear makes him ignore the signs. But we all have, uh, usually I think all of us, whenever things get a little bit, when we feel fearful, we want to take control. Last week, during our Christmas services, one of our musicians brought one of those meta virtual reality headsets. Anyone know about those virtual reality headsets out there? I know you... I know you know because you did it too, didn't you, Jimmy Mack? Yeah, we have one of those uh, virtual reality headsets. Now, virtual reality's been around for a long time, but uh, this has become more popular with Meta. I've seen clips on Instagram the last couple years of people who really freak out when this happens. You know what I'm talking about? Like they'll be in a boxing game and, and they'll start swinging punches and they'll hit a lamp or they'll, they'll hit someone in the face. Have you seen, there's a couple going around where people are supposed to jump and they've jumped into televisions and destroyed televisions, right? Every time I see those, I kind of roll my eyes because I'm like, you're in the room. I mean, you're in a room. It's not real. And I've seen some of what it looks like on the inside of those before last week. It looks like something from Nintendo Wii or Switch or from a Pixar film. It doesn't really look like reality. Let me tell you, between services last week, I put one of those things on. And it started me out on a street, uh, on, a, uh, on the sidewalk in a busy city, and there's cars going by, and then you get in an elevator, and you go to the very top of the elevator, uh, of the building, and you're up like 100 stories. It opens up, the elevator door opens up, and there's no window or anything there. There's just a plank where you go out uh, like 100 stories up. If anyone would have pushed me during those five seconds when I first saw that, I probably would have screamed. I'm, I'm serious, I probably would have screamed. I don't know if you know this about me or not, but like last spring, and there were people recording me in the back. Last spring, I got hit in the nose by a door when I was praying, right over there. Over a million people saw that. <laughs> yeah. But going viral once in 2023 is all I need to go viral. I also think maybe 100,000 of those views come from just a few of you because I think when you have a bad day, you go back to that video. <laughs> we, we got a witness over there. Did you see that? No, I wasn't going viral again. So you know what I did in those moments? I tried to be tough. But then, and I know someone else did this too, I lifted up the goggles a little bit and I saw the floor. I took a little bit of control. I had to take control. You know, you know, Herod, he wanted to exert this control, and we all want to exert our control a little bit. That's a part of this journey. But Herod here is showing someone who uh, is someone who's on a sp- the other end of the spectrum, who's willing to do anything to get his way. He's someone on the other side of the spectrum where the control comes to the point of ignoring all the signs. Well, if Herod really equals human control, what do the Magi equal for us today? I think the Magi equal for us just the spirit of letting go, to let go. The Magi are all in, and they've traveled perhaps thousands of miles over months to worship this newborn king. They've been following the signs, and they are ready to worship. They follow their signs, and they're ready to worship. They're in this place ready to genuflex, ready to bend and knee. They're in a place of surrender. Last year, I was coming back from a journey in Honduras. 
uh, and we flew, uh, I was going through customs, I don't know, in Atlanta or Houston somewhere, and I noticed someone on my flight, before we boarded from Honduras, I believe, it was a gentleman, he had a new tattoo uh, that he got in Honduras, I found out later, and the tattoo went from the top of his leg all the way to the bottom, and it was this huge dragon, this incredible tattoo. Well, he was in so much pain, he was limping around. The other reason why it caught my attention, he was wearing shorts. He rolled up his shorts, like up to his waist. I thought someone had a Speedo on when they're going on the flight, so it caught my attention in all the wrong way. I said, what's going on here? I'll stay in Honduras, I guess. But anyways, we were going through customs at about the same time, and I was next to him, and I said, okay, I'm gonna ask about this tattoo, and found out uh, it was... Three days, he, 36 hours worth of work on his leg. His dad is a tattoo artist, and his dad gave it to him. And I just said, hey, so what was the most, what part hurt the most? Or what part hurts the most right now? And he said, actually, my knee hurts the most. And I thought, knee? I would think that skin would maybe be the, the skin that, that hurts the least. And he said, well, we've been on this flight for hours, and I've had to bend my knee the whole time. And he said, because I've been the, bent my knee, and every time I bend my knee, it really hurts. And I couldn't help as a preacher to start to think about how hard sometimes it is to bend the knee. How hard sometimes it is to genuflect. How hard it is sometimes to say, Jesus, I'm gonna let it go, and I'm gonna worship you. Friends, in 2024, if you wanna see the signs, you know what spirit you gotta have? The spirit of letting go the spirit of surrender, the spirit that says, I'm gonna bend the knee, Lord. And God, I'm gonna do things your way this time. I wanna do things your way, not my way. God, will you give me guidance? I need you, God. I surrender to you, be on the throne of my life. And when we have that type of heart, friends, those signs that we've missed so many times, we're gonna be locked in and know exactly what turns we need to make and where our destination is headed. And yes, bending the knee hurts. <laughs> Sometimes we just get to the point of surrender with Jesus. Bending the knee the first time hurts. But you know what? As you follow Jesus, I think sometimes it gets a little bit easier, but still we have to be in this relationship where we continue to bend the knee. But if we do that, we'll be able to see the signs. Let's go to this last couple of verses here. After this interview... The wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Bent the knee. <laughs> then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, once they magi recognized that this divine guidance was real and that God had led them, it brought them to a place of great joy. In other words, they stayed on the road and they trusted that the signs were from the Lord. They had expectation, they had faith, but the joy really didn't fill them until they saw the star rest over Bethlehem. Then, of course, they bring their gifts to the king. Here, here's the, my final thoughts here. The Magi follow God's leading. They don't come from a Jewish or religious background. They were seekers. And when they made it to their final destination, they were filled with joy. You know, I know there's a lot of us out there who've been trying to follow Jesus really hard in 2023. 
And I just have a question for you on December 31st, 2023. Are you filled with joy? And that, if you're not, that's not a condemning thing or a condescending thing, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But I will say this, probably something has distracted you from the joy that God was trying to give you throughout this year. God has been bringing all types of things that we can be thankful for through the, through the last year. Is it something like a graduation or confirmation or engagement or wedding or new child or grandchild or, or, or nephew or niece? These are things we can give God praise for. I do the whole Google Photos thing. And so my photos get saved into Google Photos and they're always trying to do like a, uh, this, this day eight years ago, this day seven years ago, this day 10 years ago. And it's so cool to see those moments because those are precious moments. And I just wanna encourage you today, before the day's over, and we'll pray in just a, a minute, but to say thank you, God, for what you, have taught, what you have given me this year. Thank you, God, for those good moments. And yes, also what God has taught you. Sometimes the lessons God teaches us on a year are some of the things that we have to give thanks for. When I was uh, about 19 or 20 years old, there was a good friend of, uh, a guy who became a good friend named Bruce Roy, and Bruce had a degenerative muscle and nerve disorder. Long story short, Bruce is just a couple years younger than me, but Bruce died when he was 27. Uh, Bruce had problems walking, uh, Bruce had problems, uh, eat, like I'd be with him eating, just trying to eat something and food would go everywhere. Well, Bruce came into my life at about the same time that I realized that I had a lot of goals that God put on my heart and I felt like God was putting me on a road. I was getting a little overwhelmed with all that I had to do and I started to get into a teenager kind of pity party. <laughs> Teenagers aren't fun to be around when you're a pity party, by the way. And I started getting a teenager pity party. Well, God sent me Bruce Bruce hung out with me at my family's house. He was there for holiday gatherings. We went on a big camping trip together. My first date with Valerie, you know who I brought? I brought Bruce. That was a bad idea. <laughs> True story, bad idea. Valerie handled it well. Probably giving her a taste what life would like me might be like, but uh, life with me might be like, but... You know why God sent Bruce to me in that season? It's because I had a good. I had, to do, I had a rough journey ahead. Give me a break. I didn't have a rough journey ahead. It's just life. There may be some lessons that God's taught you this last year. So God sent someone like Bruce or is there something else? I just think about Christmas here. We have such an incredible Christmas here. You hear what happens in Nigeria? 160 Christians killed pastor and five of his family members. And here we are celebrating the Christ in this beautiful country. We have it so good. I just encourage you today to take time to give God thanks for all that he's done. And when you do that, I think you're gonna be filled with the joy of the Lord. And not only that, friends, if you just continue to be in the place of surrender, the signs that God has you for, for you in 2024, they're gonna be clear as ever. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you, God, for the signs that you have brought into our life. God, it's hard some days. And we know you don't condemn us. We thank you for that. It's hard some days, Lord. 
You're sending all these things that we should be thankful for, all these lessons, probably which way we should go, decisions we should make. And we're just kind of on the bus and just to ourselves and not paying attention. Forgive us, God, for not paying attention. We thank you, God, for your forgiveness. And I just pray for everyone out there today, some point in their journey, the rest of this day before we get into 2024, some of those things to be thankful for pop up in their minds and in their spirits. That they may experience and encounter the joy that you intend them to have as we end 2023. And God, as we enter into 2024, God, give us fresh eyes. Give us vigor. Renew our spirits, Lord, that we might see all the goodness as we're on this road and we head towards Jesus. We pray this through your strong name, amen.